Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello and welcome to yet another delayed episode of Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Show live on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Search for Simon Miller on YouTube or if you're watching right now, hit that subscribe button. I'm sorry I'm late. Basically updates. Update Central. My computer had to update. Then Streamlands had to update. And here I am sat like an absolute moron waiting for these things to update. And the annoying thing was, I was going to have little pictures today for all of my choices, my top 10 best wrestlers of the decade, but I couldn't do it because my computer was updating. By the time we loaded, I was like, yeah, you know what? I can probably add them in afterwards, so we will just do that. And you can still get mad at all my choices, hence why the word my is in the title. But thank you very much for joining me. As always, sponsored by pinsandknuckles.com. Or you can check out some uh, merchandise at pinsandknucklesmerch.com. Or you get some t-shirts made. They're good. They do a lot of wrestler shirts as well. If you've seen, you know, your favorite independent wrestlers doing the independent wrestling thing, there's a high chance their shirt was made by Pins and Knuckles. Uh, what else? Instagram, Twitter at Simon316. And of course, I'm a freelancer by trade. If you like the podcast and you think I'd like to give a little something back, especially during the festive season, you can. Patreon.com forward slash Simon at 316 link in the description below there's other things in there as well you get postcard and come on the podcast get a t-shirt i treat it like a shop it's like sainsbury's or walmart if you are living in the united states of america uh, other than that you know if you're live on youtube right now and you want to call me an idiot you want to steer the podcast in a different direction you want to give me your uh some of your picks you can do it using the super chat obviously i'll make sure i, I try and dig into the normal chat as well I was going to talk about Dynamite today, and we'll talk about it a little bit in the show, because I know if you just click this, you'll want to get to my top 10 list. But I just thought, I, I thought it was a really good episode of Dynamite. I really enjoyed it. But I was a bit like, you know, it's not much to talk about. It's just like a real interesting show. Jack Mailer, you're an asshole, because you just called me the most unreliable content creator on YouTube. Nobody creates more content than I do. I probably do too much. I don't appreciate that. So you get slapped down right there. Um, the gaming show is coming. Like that's, uh, I would block you if I was a blocking type of a guy, but I'm not. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about AEW, but again, I just thought it was a decent show. And I was like, what can I really talk about? MJF, the promo? I thought, no, let's do our top 10 wrestlers of the decade. And people can tell me I'm wrong. And people can shout at me as we go. You're not, let me see, you're not going to agree with number 10. All the rest you'll probably agree with. And I have reasons for all of them. Um, I don't think I watch wrestling. There's, there's people from all over the place. There's WWE, there's AEW, there's New Japan. And the, my kind of remit for doing this was who are the people that have impressed... Not necessarily... No, no, let me go the way. These aren't necessarily the people that have impressed me the most, but they are people that have left an impression on me over the last 10 years. So some of them have been doing it since 2010. Others have only really come into their own after the last three years. I will have forgotten something. 100% I will have forgotten something, somebody. But that's the joy of all those things. We'll just get straight into it. Again, let me know in the chat what yours are. Uh, number 10, and this is the one we start off controversial, is Brock Lesnar. Now, it's, it's hard to say that because... Brock Lesnar, obviously, is a controversial figure these days. He has the best deal in pro wrestling. He turns up when he wants to turn up. Usually, he's the champion. And then he runs away and he steals the Universal, or in this case, the WWE belt. And that, uh, and that winds people up, which I totally understand. But if you do go through the last 10 years, 
he has been in. I, basically, I did this. I tried to think about some of the matches that I enjoyed over the last 10 years. And what I kept coming up was Brock Lesnar versus CM Punk SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar versus John Cena SummerSlam. Brock Lesnar, The Undertaker at WrestleMania 30. Not a great match, but a significant match, an emotional match. And a match that silenced thousands of people and also allowed Brock Lesnar to become this incredible beast that we know at today. Um, what was the other things? Oh, Brock Lesnar versus Roman Reigns at WrestleMania 31, which everyone thought was going to be crap, but turned out to be really good. Brock Lesnar versus Daniel Bryan. Brock Lesnar versus AJ Styles. Brock Lesnar versus Finn Balor. Uh, the the, the three-way at the Royal Rumble, which was Brock Lesnar, John Cena, and Seth Rollins. I was like, he has been involved in so many good matches that he gets on he gets onto my list. Like, he really, really, really does. He still feels like a star to me. He has an aura around him. I believe all his shtick. Some days I wake up and I think the Undertaker's streak shouldn't be broken. Other days I wake up and I think, you know what, Brock Lesnar was the right person to do it because look what it did for him. And it felt legitimate as well. I'm not saying it would have been the worst idea if I can't even remember who was a rising star then, whoever. Insert rising star here. I'm not saying that them beating Brock Lesnar wouldn't have helped. It certainly would have done with the right booking. But just from a pure aesthetic point of view, and maybe the way Undertaker viewed his own career, it makes perfect sense why Brock Lesnar, a proper uh, uh, fighter, UFC MMA athlete, would be able to do this. I've enjoyed his relationship with, with Paul Heyman. And most of the time, I've liked what Brock Lesnar does. And it's only really been the last year or so when there has been the classic, the law of diminishing returns. You're like, well, I would have preferred it maybe a little bit if we uh, had the belt more on television, right? That, that's the thing. I think Brock Lesnar is in a position now where he doesn't need to be the champion and we can still get everything we need to out, out of Brock Lesnar. But he gets into my list. He was high at one point. But I was like, I put him at number 10, mostly because it's a nice controversial way to kick off the list. And hopefully it gets people chatting. Shout out to Buffalax247, the super chat, who says, obviously, number one is Simon Miller. I mean, in no world is that true. But do I appreciate that you said that? I absolutely do. And Buffalax also got in the super chat and said, when Brock is on TV, he's super entertaining. And yeah, and I would say when Brock is, on, when Brock is motivated... That's true as well. You know, there are the down parts as well, like his match with Dean Ambrose at WrestleMania 33, I think, whichever one it was, not the best. But again, he was focusing on his UFC return then. I'm not saying that's right. I'm just saying they were the circumstances. But since 2010 to 2019 or the end of 2019, Brock Lesnar, to me, has been one of the standouts in WWE and has been involved in many of my favorite matches. And that now is why he gets in at number 10. People now hilariously are saying Lesnar should have been higher. Look, Lesnar was number four on my list originally, but I just explained it. I put him at 10 so we could start off controversial and get people chatting. Don't get too hyped up into the whole what number one or what number seven is. It's just 10 wrestlers we're talking about. It's all going to be okay, apart from number one, which obviously is clearly right. Uh, number nine is Becky Lynch. Again, she was higher at one point as well. But then when I started fiddling stuff around, I was like, well, she didn't really burst onto the scene until 2018. Doesn't mean I don't think she deserves a mention. She absolutely does. But maybe given, if you want to argue the longevity argument, look, she was solid from 2010 to 2017 or whenever the hell it would be. And I think most of us agreed that she always deserved more. Hence why when she finally got her due, we all got behind her. The whole reason this began... It's because WWE tried to turn her heel, and we were all so against that. (laughs) Like, no, we don't hate Becky Lynch. Remember, she got the microphone. You will hate me. We're like, no, we don't. We wouldn't even play along. We were like, no, I don't care. (laughs) I'm not doing this. Uh, And then ever since then, she was given the ball, and not only did she ran with it, but she's now probably the most important wrestler in that entire company. You know, she she had such an impact that when she stepped back from social media because she felt like she didn't need to push that envelope anymore... 
everyone was like, why is not Becky? Why isn't Becky tweeting as much anymore? And that's when you know you've made it. When people are kind of, people are kind of reacting like that. And look, I, I think you, you can't you can't take away from everything that she achieved. You know, one of the women, three women in the first ever women's main event, deservedly so, won that match, beat Ronda Rousey, went on a tear, became the man, got super popular, was selling all the merchandise. She rose up and she smashed through that glass ceiling. And, you know, without her now, I think WWE's women's division would be uh, would be a lot worse. All the love coming in for Brock Lesnar now. Now I'm annoyed. I should have left him at four or five, wherever the hell he was. See, never second guess the internet. Because Christopher Sermons in the super chat. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate the support. Brock Lesnar, number one, just for the money in the bank boom box alone. You see? I agree with that, totally. Uh, and Dan Lemley in the Super Chat says, bring back Boombox Brox. I didn't know there was so much love for Brox. See, like I was kind of skirting around the edge and I should have been brave and just ran in, but I didn't do that. But yeah, Becky Lynch is in at number nine. Again, it's all about momentum and impact. And ma- I don't, do I think her matches are the best? No, but she's still really, really good wrestler. Her matches are still, are still really, really good. I'm not saying that, but this isn't about who is the best worker. Again, it's about who I feel like has left an impression on me, and that's why Becky Lynch gets in here. No, no, no question. I already saw a few people in the chat going, "Oh, I can't believe it," but she did. She she added something to the women's division that nobody else did. And you know, Charlotte Flair, I wanted to put in this list. I think she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world, but I don't think she made that same engagement with the audience, and she didn't with me either. Like Becky Lynch, at one point, maybe we've kind of jumped the shark a little bit now, but certainly for a good, you know, eight months to ten months to a year, which I know is nothing when it comes to a decade, but she really, really did. Um, she was transformative in many ways, and I think that's why it's important. Uh, which is why number eight is Oscar too. Uh, now. She's a weird one because ever since she got to the main roster in WWE, maybe not been treated in the way that all of us would have wanted her to be. Don't forget she was on SmackDown for a while and she just vanished (laughs) and nobody knew where she went. But if you check out all the stuff she did before she got down to NXT, her NXT run and some of her Kabuki Warriors stuff, which I actually am enjoying in spite of what WWE tried to do. I think she's the best woman's wrestler in the world. I'm not saying I've seen every woman's wrestler, but in in terms of the wrestling I am able to see both in America and Japan and overseas, I think she's absolutely brilliant. I think she has a certain way about her and her personality that does mean she connects to the audience, hence why her own YouTube channel is blown up and she's smashing that as well. And really, the only negative I could come away with was, again, when she got to the main roster. I know she won the Royal Rumble and all of that, but it always it seemed to be a little bit of a stop-start thing, right? A bit of a stop-start thing. We never really knew. We never really knew where we were going to go. And that was the only fault I could come up with. And I've never seen her have a bad match. Like, her NXT run especially was amazing. She made the NXT Women's Championship her own. She made the women's division down in NXT, you know, brilliant. It, it was must-see. Uh, some of the best there was in the whole company for a time being. And this was, you know, someone that was never really allowed to cut promos, or not anymore anyway. And when she is, she has to rant and rave in Japanese because WWE isn't over the fact that some people aren't born in America. <laughs> but, you know, I I have found myself over the years, like she wasn't someone that I instantly gravitated towards, but I found myself throughout the years getting more and more interested in Asuka and appreciating her more and more. Again, I don't ever see her have a bad match and I don't ever hear anyone say they don't like her and I don't ever ever hear anyone say they don't want more from her in WWE. Again, she did she was the first ever women's Raw Rumble winner, which I think is more than fair, more than deserved. The match with Charlotte was great, really really good, but again, I would have much preferred it if if Oscar had won. And obviously undefeated. That was she left NXT undefeated, I should say. Not undefeated, but you know, she never dropped her never dropped her championship. So 
yeah, I uh, I had to get her in there somewhere, and, and that's and that's where I did. Um, number, see, I should number these. I haven't done it. Ten, nine, eight, seven. Number seven is AJ Styles. AJ Styles is one of the best wrestlers ever, and the only asterisk he had next to his name is that he was never he'd never done it in WWE. And if you you know turn the clock back to before he debuted, everybody said, "Oh, I'll never make it in WWE. He's too small. He can't cut a promo." So on and so forth. As it turned out, not true at all. Not only was AJ Styles able to navigate the waters of world wrestling entertainment, but I think he's been world champion in terms of since he's been there. I think he's been world champion more time than he hasn't been. His character has evolved each and every year. Again, always having good matches, can wrestle anybody. Fans love him, fans hate him, depending on what he's meant to be doing. He is, he, he, he absolutely is in the best wrestler of all time list. And again, the one thing he had never done, he's now achieved in the 2010s, which is he went to WWE, had that awesome Raw Rumble debut that was screwed up by production issues, but let's not worry about that. And then he went on an absolute tear. The John Cena feud was great. Everything he did with Roman Reigns was great. Everything he's doing now was great when he beat Jinder Mahal on that SmackDown taping in November 2018, maybe 17. I can't remember. That was great. Again, you, 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 there are, you know, the Nakamura feud wasn't as good as I was hoping. And there are a few foibles here and there. But AJ Styles you know, with his with his new long hair, is somebody that I think adds a tremendous amount to that program. And without him, I don't know what WWE would have done over the last few years, which is crazy because, again, always looked down upon, never going to make it in the big league company. But he did because cream and talent always rises to the top. And he's absolutely smashed it. And, yeah, I just – I don't think you can have a list like this without putting him in it. Or at least that's what that that that's that's how I see it. Uh, he is, um, yeah, he's just he's just great. He's just he's, he's just one of these people that I now. He's, he's so weird because he was so synonymous with TNA and then New Japan. It's crazy now that here we are in 2019, and now he just feels a part of the WWE furniture, and I mean that in a positive sense. You know, he, wherever he goes, he finds a way to adapt, and he finds a way to figure out what people want and how he has to be, and he applies that, and he did that without going to NXT. I think AJ Styles has talked about how he wouldn't have minded to go to NXT because the way that WWE shoots and does stuff was different to his own experience. But yeah, he absolutely he's he's I, I just I just love him. I just love AJ Styles. Shout out to Podcast in Stone and talking to that guy earlier. The gaming podcast will go live in the next couple of days. And my guest was Podcast in Stone. So thank you very much for coming on, my friend. AJ is great in the ring, but I couldn't care less about his character face or heel. I just think he is boring. Hey man, that's all good. That's all good. You're allowed to. You're allowed to have that opinion. I think some people do think that, but I've always... I, I enjoy heel AJ Styles a lot, especially petty AJ Styles. He just cracks me up. But I do know what you mean. Um, he does kind of have that uh, dividing effect on some people. But uh, I like him. I like him a lot. And shout out to Undead FBQ in the Super Chat. Always supporting. Always nice to see you, Undead. He goes, hi, Simon. I loved John Moxley last night. We are going to talk about John Moxley. Don't you worry, Undead. A star in the making, I would say. I mean, he's already a star, but... I, I will get to it. Where are we now? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6? 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. That's right. So this is the one that I couldn't decide upon. So I've been an asshole and I've uh, I've snuck in two, which I know I shouldn't do, but they're there for different reasons. So on one side of the fence, you have Will Ospreay. Will Ospreay basically redefined what wrestling was in the latter part of this decade. I know that it comes from you know, the the influence of other people. But the matches that he's been having in New Japan and the sheer... I mean, I'm not saying that he has been responsible for a wrestling boom because I don't think anybody has in the 2010s. But I know from people that either are lapsed fans or recently who have tried to get into wrestling 
they ask me what matches to watch and I'll give them a few. And it's always when they see Will Ospreay that they go, dude, who's this Will Ospreay guy? They watch that Ricochet match that obviously blew the internet up and they love it. Uh, while some of the stuff that he does do, you know, the argument is it's overly choreographed. They don't care because they know wrestling is, is predetermined. So they just enjoy the athleticism. And Will Ospreay is leading that charge. And this last year especially, he has been untouchable in that style. You know, he's... He has great matches with everybody that he goes against. Okay, you can argue about the character and the promos and everything like that. But again, in terms of his influence on both inspiring new people and, again, being entertaining to people that don't watch wrestling like you or I, I don't think it can be understated. I think that he, in the next next 10 years, as long as he can say injury-free from 2020 to 2029, there's every chance he could become one of the biggest things in all of wrestling depending on where he is and in what direction the industry goes. He's also someone that anybody would want in their company. Literally anybody. They would all want him They would all want him under the roof. Like he gets praise from Seth Rollins, Randy Orton, uh, CM Punk, which is a name you should keep in your mind. We're going to talk about him in just one second. And I, I'm not ashamed to admit it. And shout out to Tom Osborne in the Super Chat. He says, I love it, Will Ospreay. What a nice guy. See, look at that. See, people like him as well. They like him. I think the cool thing about Will Ospreay as well when it comes to social media, nothing to do with wrestling, he's a very open person as well. Very open about his feelings. Very modern wrestler. And the other side of number six is CM Punk. Again, his, his decade ended in 2014 in terms of pro wrestling. But you can't... WWE never went all in with CM Punk, right? But you cannot understate or overstate, overstate, I should say, how important everything he did in 2011 was. Like, he redefined entirely what the wrestling world thought of him with that pipe bomb promo. Once again, much like Will Ospreay, Laps fans and other fans were captivated by this guy who all of a sudden seemed to be speaking the truth in a world full of, um, you know, charades and pantomime. And it did get people watching again. It really did. I mean, we rushed the storyline with the two belts after John Cena won and CM Punk ran away from Chicago with the old one. And then we got into the mess with Kevin Nash and Alberto Del Rio. But we still came out the other side with, what, the 475-day title run. The only problem with um, CM Punk was he was never actually promoted like he was the main event dude, which is what he should have been. But there was always somebody else in that spot. But... He, he, look, he had such a crazy influence on everything that happened over these 10 years that I've watched countless shows in 2019 where the crowd chants CM Punk, which is idiotic and ridiculous. We should have moved past it, but we didn't because we harbor for, for that character and for someone that I guess deep down we thought deserved better. And I know he's a, he's a controversial egg. Some people love him. Some people hate him. I massively respect that he went out there and did MMA, even though, yeah, it wasn't the greatest UFC performance you've ever seen. No, but any stretch of the imagination. But when he's an old man, he looks back at his tick box lists. He's going to check all those boxes. And I do respect that. I think it takes some real confidence and courage to go out of your way of do that. Especially when you know if you do fail, the internet's going to be up your ass, which it was. You know, came back to kind of WWE programming recently with WWE backstage. I don't count that in. But yeah, for those four years, you know, some of the matches as well. We mentioned the Brock Lesnar match. Love that. The Undertaker match, one of the best ones he's had at WrestleMania, I think we'd agreed to say. Uh, The match with The Rock was good. Again, the massive title reign. He has to go in here, and that's why he kind of separates it at number six because the other five people had to get in. So I thought, well, I'll squeeze, I'll, I'll cheat, and I'll squeeze, <laughs> I'll squeeze that in there, and we'll move on. Shout out to Christopher Sermans again. I appreciate the super chatting today, dude. That's good of you. Extra super chat just for the Randy Savage cream rises to the top reference. Always, my friend. I love Randy Savage. I think one of the saddest things in wrestling is that he passed away in what 2011 was it? I can't remember. That would be this decade. I remember. Short story for you. 
I was driving down to a gig. I do have a band, MG and the Juggernaut. Yes, that's what we called ourselves. And I was driving down to Bournemouth for a gig and it came on the radio that the macho man Randy Savage had died. And because I'm a massive nerd, I had to pull over in a service station and just like, you know, let it, <coughs> excuse me, let it wash over me because I loved him. I loved him. I talked about it recently on a What Culture video. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling if you haven't already. But Hulk Hogan, it was actually Bret Hart that got me in, but Hulk Hogan may have captivated me in a whole new way. But... You know, Randy Savage is what kept me around. His work rate, his character, his promos, his sheer nutsness. I love Macho Man Randy Savage, and I always will. Shout out to Icon Videos in the super chat. It says, I feel the number one of the decade is Chris Jericho. Dude, you are, uh, you're allowed. You, you, you don't get, don't worry. Uh, in fact, you don't worry because number five on my list is Chris Jericho. So <laughs> Icon Videos, it's almost like you knew. And again, if anybody else um, you want to get involved with the Super Chat, please do. Uh, I always appreciate it. Yeah, Chris Jericho, what a crazy 10 years he's had. I mean, the um, the Festival of Friendship, I think, was February 2017, which means it's almost three years old. But if nothing else, this decade has taught us that nobody is better at reinventing themselves than, you know, Chris Jericho. He, you know, returned to WWE and was involved in some incredibly entertaining feuds with The List and Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn and, you know, really made it feel like he was 20 years younger than he was as he managed to hold his own against this new crop of guys. But then going to New Japan and you know, bringing a huge Western interest in that and increasing New Japan subs and having amazing, I wouldn't even call them amazing matches, just having enjoyable matches with the likes of Kenny Omega and Naito. And then being a part of this AEW, you know, not even resurgence, it's brand new, but this this well of support without, you know, without Chris Jericho, so many things wouldn't have happened over the last 10 years. You know, that's why he became the first ever AEW world champion, because he is a, a, a well-known name in wrestling. He's a mainstay. He's got longevity. He knows what he's doing. He's got the, he's got the, the, the influence and the experience. And as I said before, Chris Jericho was never my guy, not in a bad way. But when you're watching wrestling, some dudes you just you like and some dudes you understand they're good, but they're just not your guy. And he never was. But over the last few years, I just think that he is... He's become a pivotal part of pro wrestling. And when you're talking about legends of the business, Chris Jericho entered into that pantheon over the last 10 years. This is his best decade ever, you could probably say. But I would say this was his best decade ever. I know everyone loves that heel run in 2008, but I think everything he's done in the last 10 years, and that includes a massive sabbatical as he worked on his band Fozzy. I think this is, uh, yeah, I think, especially because I like every version. I like stupid list-wearing scarf dude, list-wearing, list-writing scarf-wearing, you know, Chris Jericho in 2016. Painmaker's a little bit silly, but I enjoy it. The Champion, and they all work. They all work. They all get over. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I'm a, I think Chris Jericho, like I say, has spent the last 10 years climbing to the top. Not climbing to the top, he was already there. Establishing himself at the top. And now no matter what he does, he can't be ripped down. Even if AEW isn't a success, which I think it will be, Chris Jericho has, has written his own He's written his own list. <laughs> Funny stuff. Uh, Tom Talks Rubbish in the Super Chat says, Batista is my wrestler of the decade. Happy Hanukkah. Thanks, man. Hanukkah doesn't start for a, a, a few, I think it's quite late this year. I think it's like the 22nd or something. But I appreciate that. And happy holidays, happy Christmas, happy Hanukkah to, uh, to everybody, everybody in it. Uh, number four is, is this going to annoy people? Maybe. Kenny Omega. And the reason I like Kenny Omega so much is because I feel like he brought massive attention to non-WWE wrestling. Uh, if you were a super WWE guy over the last 10 years, at some point you will have heard the name Kenny Omega. 
And sometimes you can then go and scout these people out and be like, I don't really see what the fuss. I don't think that was the case with the, the cleaner. I think every time you saw, like I was watching him the other day when he had that match with Puck and I was just like, man, this guy's so good. The way he moves, he's so fluid, he's so smooth. It's like he was born to do it. Then you hear the interviews he does with the Wrestling Observer or whoever, you know, he's such a nice guy as well and he gets it and his head screwed on and he really wants to fuel wrestling and push it forward in a new, potentially nicer direction. And again, the match quality he's had with people is is, is absurd. <laughs> it's absolutely absurd. Like, even if you don't like that style of pro wrestling, which is fine, what he... Well, I think he's quite adaptable too, but whatever his preferred say, um, style would be, he just absolutely smashes it. And he's really clever. Like, you know, the one-winged angel is a finisher. You know, it rarely ever gets kicked out of. He only uses it when he has to. And, you know, again, there's, there are elements of his game that, you know, other people do better. But overall... When, you know, he, he managed in his last 10 years to become a superstar in his own right. And he did that solely off, off his own back. Which is why, actually, now I think about it, I'm going to put a slash the Young Bucks in here, too. Because their influence on social media can't be understated either. I mean, absolutely ridiculous. They built an entire brand on Twitter. You know, they, they sell t-shirts in Hot Topic and started a company because of Twitter. You know, there's other people going to mention, obviously. But, yeah, Kenny Omega, especially for me, like, I always kept up to date with New Japan but it was Kenny Omega having these incredible matches that made me actually go, okay, I'm going to sit down and get to know, I don't know what, Suzuki, Yano, um, whoever. You know, I can't, I can't even think of people right now. Showing you. You know, it was those guys. It was, it was him and all these words that I was hearing. It was like, well, I, I, I'm doing myself a disservice if I don't go out of my way to try and, and see what's going down with this guy. And he's always lived up to the billing. Always lived up to the billing. I mean, he, he's so, he probably underuses himself in AEW. I think we could probably use more of him. You know, he's almost like a bit part player, but, you know, I'm sure that when we do actually ramp him up, that will that will help even more. So, yeah. And obviously, you know, some people saying in the chat as well that Kenny hasn't even gone full Kenny in AEW yet. No, he hasn't. And I'm massively intrigued to see what happens when uh, when he does do that. For the many of the same reasons, number three is, uh, is Akada. He is, in terms of in-ring, one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen. The way he controls the pacing of a match, I don't even understand, even though I've seen him do it time and time again. Like, you know, he deliberately controls it very specifically for about 10, 15 minutes. And then as soon as he knows it's time to pick up the pace, he just pulls a trigger and everyone everyone runs wild. And he's done that with everyone. Everyone I've ever seen him fight, he's able to do that. He's, you know, he's something else entirely. And when we are talking about promos and characters, obviously you are going to... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for, but engage maybe, or understand's the wrong word. But you're always going to have more an affiliation with someone if they cut a promo in English and you understand it. If someone's cutting a promo in Japanese, it's going to go over your head, even though you can understand emotion. But a car doesn't even need any of that. You know, his body language, his expressions, the way he sells, the way, the way he knows to build a comeback, the moves, just the sheer natural ability he has at pro wrestling. You know, I don't think that... I don't think that New Japan would have had the swell of popularity if it wasn't for him. And again, Jericho may have got loads of people in the door, but it was guys like Kenny Omega and particularly Okada, it, why they stayed around. Like a good friend of mine had no interest in New Japan, but then he found out Chris Jericho was going, loves Chris Jericho, watched it. First thing he said to me was, that Omega and Okada's good. And then we went into those four matches that those guys had in the last 10 years. And, you know, whether they're the best matches of all time or not, it doesn't matter. If you think they are great, if you don't think they are great, they still made their mark. And they still had people having that conversation, which is kind of all you need to do anyway. And, you know, I know people that are going to Wrestle Kingdom next year because they want to see Okada live. They want to see Ibushi. You know, they want to see Naito. Guys, I've never heard about before at all. So I think he has to go in the list. And I also think that he's still so young. He's like 32, 33, maybe even younger still. Who goodness knows what he's going to do over the next 10 years. 
I'd be so intrigued to see him in a different company. But even if he stays there forever with New Japan, it won't affect anything. He's um, he's pretty damn good. Uh, which kind of ties into number two. Easily the most surprising entry if we had uh, been talking about this in 2010. And people that would made uh, smash the wrestling scene so much. But nobody has improved more. Nobody has won me over more. And I haven't become a bigger fan given in terms of the start of the decade to now. Which is why number two is Cody Rhodes. This ties into Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks too, of course, and Tony Khan. But without Cody Rhodes leaving the WWE in 2016, I think it was, and betting on himself, we wouldn't have all elite wrestling. You know, we wouldn't have any of this. He had so much self-belief and so much confidence that he could become a top star that he just went, ironically, he went all in with it. And just go and watch Dynamite from last night, which we'll talk about in about five minutes or so. The reaction he gets, the way he holds himself, his promos, anything he does, he now comes across like a top star. And he did that by walking out of the biggest wrestling company in the world, almost starting again, going through his list, fighting on the independencies. I saw him fight for WCPW in a room that probably held 500 people, right? And now he's, he's you know, he's, he's, he's in arenas back in, in America. I just, I, I, we don't know where AEW is going to go in the future, but I know that Cody Rhodes was responsible for it. And I know we're well, not only not solely responsible, but a huge part of it. And again, I like I liked him anyway in WWE. I thought he had something, you know, the handsome Cody Rhodes and the, the thing with the mask. And he tried all these ideas, but it never really felt like he in the legacy too. It never really felt like he was given uh, the the ball and was allowed to run with it. So instead, he just went and got his own ball. He ran with it, and now he's the top babyface in AEW, which is the you know the number two. Western promotion to WWE. That is crazy. And if I had told you that in 2010, I don't think anybody would have believed me. I think I would have been laughed out the door, and rightfully so. And that's why I'm really excited for 2020, 2029. I have absolutely no idea what's going to happen. And you never do with wrestling. Maybe WWE goes out of business. Obviously, it's not going to go out of business. And nor do I want it to. I want everyone to be successful. But Cody's story, and again, Cody, as a, almost as an inspiration and a motivator, I think deserves all the praise in the world. Number one is no big surprise. The chat has already said it over and over and over again. Uh, but of course, it's Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan is the best wrestler ever, I've decided, in terms of his in-ring ability. And he's also just such an anomaly because he's a guy that doesn't want to be the... He wants to be the best wrestler ever, but he doesn't want to be famous. He doesn't want to be a celebrity. He just wants to wrestle. That's all he wants to do. And if you actually document everything we've been through over the last 10 years, how can... No wonder he's always so over. And no wonder he has the, the love. How can you not love Daniel Bryan, right? The WrestleMania 30 thing, probably one of the best moments we've had over the last 10 years. Like a whole arena and whole wrestling population in unison chanting yes because they were so happy he won both of those titles or the title that happened to be two belts at the time. And this was after The Undertaker had lost his streak. The only person that could have turned that event around was Daniel Bryan and he did it. And then you get everything with his injuries and losing the belt and his retirement. He's never going to wrestle again. And then he comes back and WWE doesn't do much with that. And he's an environmentalist and now he's back to the yes movement. And throughout all of that, he's getting massive reactions. People care. People are engaged. People are talking about him. You know, from a guy that was the Miz's protege on NXT, NXT and again was poo-pooed, I can't talk, he's got no character, to being a brilliant promo, a brilliant character, a guy that is over no, no matter what you're doing, as well as that WrestleMania 30 moment, no one deserves it more than Daniel Bryan. When I think of 2010 to 2019, I think of Daniel Bryan. And he was doing it before WWE. can't remember the year he came in. I'm pretty sure it was close to, if not around then. I can't remember. But he is... Uh, He's just flipping 
yeah, the more I think about him, the more I realize how much I like him. And I want him to succeed. And that what that's what makes him a great babyface. And WWE doesn't have many of them. I want him to succeed. I want him to do well. Even when he's a bad guy, I'm only booing because that's part of the fun. He's the best. Daniel Bryan is the best. Long live Daniel Bryan. Uh, if you have just tuned in as well and you want my top 10, it's uh, 10 to 1 this is. Brock Lesnar, Becky Lynch, Asuka, AJ Styles, Will Ospreay, slash CM Punk, because I'm a cheat. Chris Jericho, Kenny Omega, slash The Young Bucks, because I'm a cheat. Akada, Cody Rhodes, and Daniel Bryan. Somebody mentioned John Cena. Look, John Cena probably does deserve to be in a list like this. Without John Cena, I don't get it's another person. WWE probably in for a much harder time than they are already. John Cena was consistent. John Cena was a superstar. John Cena had far better matches than people gave him credit for. Um, I just didn't put him in there because I thought it was too obvious to be to be completely realistic <laughs> and be completely honest. Uh, I, John Cena almost exists on his own his own platform and his own plateau. And I respect the hell out of John Cena, and, and I always will. Shout out to Nick C in the super chat who says, you are the rest of the decade. Love you, man. If only I was. I mean, I only debuted in 2018, and I was injured for eight of those months. So I've only really been resting for a year and a half. I suck. <laughs> Damn Lemley in the super chat says, Repo Man is not number one brown down low. I don't think Repo Man had one wrestling match in the 2010s. In my head, he did. And I will always love Repo Man, but no, not. Uh, Sean Gearhorn makes an interesting point in the super chat. Thank you, Sean. Uh, no Bray. I thought about Bray. And Bray is another one that probably does deserve to go on because while he had that awful middle section when he was dressing up as Sister Abigail, you know, the Bray White concept was amazing. Um, the, the Fiend is, while has had its ups and downs, haha, funny, funny, has still, you know, not redefined wrestling, but I mean, you, you just can tell that Bray Wyatt has an incredible mind for pro wrestling. And the reason I decided not to put him in is because I think his 2020 to 2029 is going to be his defining era. So I'm betting on him to be the the wrestler of the 2020s. Is that what we're going to call it? I guess so. Uh, and also, there's just no way to fit in 10 wrestlers. I wanted to get Rusev in there, but I can't do it because, you know, it wasn't used in the way that I wanted him to be used. And there's loads of other people. I was like, well, I'd like to talk about them. I'd like to talk about them. But I settled on this list and uh, I'm quite happy. I'm quite happy about it. Uh, let me know in the chat what you've got. Give me your top 10s. Give me your number one. Uh, give me some maybe random choices that you... Uh, that I may not have thought of. It's always good. And again, if you want to contribute to the Super Chat, that would rock. Right, let's talk about AEW Dynamite. I, I, I was surprised to hear that people thought it wasn't a good show this week. I mean, that's probably just social media and the internet, people just saying that kind of nonsense. I, I just thought it flowed so well. I thought the pacing was great. I enjoyed all the matches. There were so many different angles and storylines going on. Uh, they, you know, they filled in holes from last week with the Bunny the Blade and the Butcher with the whole MGF promo. It should have aired on Dynamite, but it didn't. Whatever, we move on. MGF cuts a proper main event top hill, you know, top hill promo. We got all the teasers with the Hangman Page. Kenny Omega did his role wonderfully. And we had an incredible main event between the Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful. Where they got all those tables from, I will never understand. <laughs> but... I, I just I really enjoyed, when it was come when it, when they said it was the main event I was like man that has flown by and don't get me wrong it's not perfect I'm still not a massive fan of the women's division because we just get random match random match random vignette with Brandy Rhodes talking about stuff I don't understand but I think we all know that's a work in progress at the moment so there's no point you know crapping on it all the time uh, they they need it you know they need it they need structure and they need storylines they need characterization for for their women they just do that's just how I see it but even then you know the big swell versus Sakura match. Sakura went out of her way to make Big Swole come across like a big deal. Big Swole lived up to her end of the bargain. The match was a bit too long for my liking. But at least we came out the other side 
knowing a bit more about her. Or, or, maybe that's not the right word to put about it. But I just, I, I can't handle any more random matches when it comes to the women. So weird. Just, you just never know who you're going to get and then stories vanish and stuff. But I understand that, it, that it's still early on, but you know, I, I've got such a kick out of this. Uh, Leonard in the super chat says, good list, Simon. Your insights on the industry are spot on as always. I might have had a different order, but I can't really argue with your picks. Thank you, Leonard. That is very kind of you. I appreciate that, especially as a man that is very self-critical as I am. And under FB Goo in the super chat says, John Moxley is my guy. I thought Dynamite was fab. Well, John Moxley is the next thing I wanted to talk about. John Moxley kicked off Dynamite and... It instantly, it was the first time, you know, given the crowd reaction and his entrance and the way he holds himself and the way that he absolutely killed, uh, who the hell was it, Alex Reynolds? Or was it John Silver? I think it was Alex Reynolds. Just destroyed him and destroyed his tag team partner. You know, basically both of them got killed. This guy's a star. Like, he's already a star, obviously, because people are interested in him. But I think used correctly, especially in this feud he's now going into with Chris Jericho, because the inner circle circled him at the end, uh, gave him a t-shirt and said, hey, maybe you should join our group, give you something to think about. I just think... There's something there that we haven't tapped into yet or that we are tapping into or something in my eye or that we are tapping into very slowly. I tell you, man, the differences between Dean Ambrose and John Moxley is crazy. It is absolutely crazy, but I'm so pumped and I'm so excited to see. I really do have something in my eye. I'm so excited to see where we go. Like, is he the guy to take the belt off Chris Jericho? Probably. And then we build from in there. I don't like to use the term, like, he's the next stone cold. But I think done right I'm like, he's not going to have the same effect as stone cold steve austin on the wwe and we may never see that again but i think he could become a real player for all elite wrestling to the point people do tune in to see him there's just something there's just something about the guy and i really felt it at the start of dynamite he didn't even do anything just gave a paradigm shift to two essential jobbers and then looked at chris jericho for five minutes but it all worked and i yeah i just it was it was one of those eye-opening moments for me when I was like, oh man, they, they, they've done it. They've turned him into they've turned him into the guy that he always wanted to be. And it doesn't help that he smashed hurt, sorry, that he's smashing it in New Japan either. You know, turned up on the I can't remember the show now, but he turned up in Japan, you know, confronted Lance Archer. He's gonna be on Wrestle Kingdom, gonna I think he's having a Texas death match or something. So he's gonna absolutely smash it there. He has if we're talking about wrestlers of the year, he's gotta be up there. You know, he's gotta be up there. And he's left himself in such a good position for 2020 onwards other than Cody Rhodes like he's one of the most important faces they have the reaction Cody Rhodes gets as well is just absolutely nuts you know he came out to have his match with QT Marshall taking on the butcher the blade and the bunny and you would have thought you know a superstar had turned up because they did because he's he's a superstar he really really is I love all that story as well why I know people get on my case about this but why we couldn't have just explained the MJF association last week I don't know it makes the story so much more interesting like AEW Dynamite was nothing groundbreaking or revolutionary even though that is the name of the next pay-per-view which is February 29th I think 2020 back in Chicago AEW and Chicago pay-per-views are very strange but you know it it just again it was it was layered there was loads of subplots there were a load of narratives for you to invest in going forward. We had a match between Luchasaurus and Sammy Guevara, which was literally there to set up Chris Jericho versus Jungle Boy for next week when Jungle Boy surprise roll up Chris Jericho and you get the visual pin, even though it's not an official match. Just so many good little things to not only get you invested in this one, but to ensure that you know in seven days' time it's probably worth coming back to watch once more. 
I think in that sense, like the depth and the characterization, again, the pacing, I thought was one of the best ones. Undead FBQ in the super chat says, he looks so perplexed with the t-shirt being given to him. This will be an interesting start to 2020. I don't think Moxley will join the inner circle. No, I don't think so. I think that uh, uh, that would be a really bad move. Like he's over with the crowd. We don't need any heels. We need top good guys, you know, and John Moxley has all the, give the fans what they want. Do John Moxley and Chris Jericho at uh, Revolution, the pay-per-view, and let John Moxley win if that's what people want. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with giving you a satisfying ending. You know, when you go and see a rom-com, you want to see the two people get together. If they don't, you're upset. And there's a reason for that. It's because we're quite simple creatures. And Bushman... <laughs> well, Bushman in the Super Chat proves, as I've always said before, no matter what you write in the Super Chat, I will read it out because I only think it's fair if you're going to invest time and money in me. And he says, page equals most watched online of the decade, if you know what I mean. I do know what you mean, Bushman. Um, that's probably a low point of the last 10 years. These things happen, I guess. If you don't know what he's talking about, let it go out of your brain. Don't worry about it. Doesn't matter. Keep your innocence uh, alive. <laughs> don't, let, don't let it be corrupted by controversial videos. That is all uh, that, that that is all we will say. But yeah, I, I really, really got a kick out of um, Dynamite this week. Also, it turned out that Nick Jackson had the flu all day. Matt Jackson revealed this on Twitter. How the hell Nick Jackson was able to do everything he did after suffering from the flu, I don't know. But all the respect to that man. Honestly, absolutely incredible. The match, there's so many tables in that match, I don't even know where to start. And we don't hang around either. This is the coolest thing about AEW schedule. Because it's light or lighter than the competition, sometimes TV does sound like pay-per-view. And we do build up these angles. So the Young Bucks win here. And now next week, they're going to have a tag team title match against SCU for the belts. Maybe we end the year with new tag team champions. We need to do something with those titles. And they feel a little bit lackluster recently. But am I excited for next week's show? Yes. So we've done something right. Robert Jackson, the Super Chat says, I like your list, Simon, but I, excuse me, personally would have switched Oscar with Charlotte. I think that's fair. I think maybe in hindsight, I should have done a slash Oscar slash Charlotte because I really do think Charlotte gets a hard rap. Uh, again, I think she's one of the best wrestlers in the world, Charlotte. Her athleticism is ridiculous. You can argue it both ways. They have been pivotal and so important to the women's division. And yeah, Charlotte to me will be a star for many years to come. And if allowed, so will Oscar. I think they both have the potential to be uh, to be incredible. They they really, really they already are incredible, but they could uh, they could keep going. There was something else I wanted to talk about, and now it's just slipped my mind on dynamite. What the hell was it? We talked about the main event. Ah, the Brandy Road stuff. Right. I don't mind the Brandy Road stuff. The nightmare, whatever the hell they're called, Sorority. Sorority, that's not what they're called. Nightmare. I don't remember. Somebody will tell me. I like the fact AEW is trying something different. The issues that I have with this now is I don't know what it is. <laughs> the Nightmare Collective. I don't know what it is. There was a bald guy sat in a chair. Always respect that. Could have been me. It's not. Then we had that person from last week who was just running around in circles. I don't know why Nightmare, uh, why Awesome Kong is there. I don't know what their goal is. I don't know why they admitted Riho. What, I just didn't get any of it. And I hope that I'm wrong. I hope that in a month's time I can look back and go massively mistaken. I should have seen this coming. But at the moment, it really does, I don't, you have to forgive me, it really does feel like stuff just happens. <laughs> like, I couldn't, someone said, explain it to me, and I would go, well, Brandy Rhodes wears a swimsuit, and she doesn't like women's hair, and I think she may have killed Riho, and she's friends with Awesome Kong, and she's got some other people around that she shaves the head of. Why is she doing this? I don't know. I have absolutely no idea. I think because it's kind of quirky and cool. But the thing with this, it's kind of like, Eric, it's different with Eric Rowan's cage because I can explain Eric Rowan's cage in one sentence. There's something in the cage that Eric Rowan wants to protect. 
So while the reveal of that needs to be massive, otherwise it's going to be a waste of time. The issue with the Brandy Road stuff is I, I don't know. Again, I'm, 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 so, I'm so baffled. And I know some people like it. And hell yeah, more power to you. It's just one man's opinion, one bald asshole's opinion. But now for the last few weeks, I have been absolutely, <laughs> well, I just say, confused. She said if it wasn't for her, AEW would be like a kid's gymnastic meet. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I don't know what any of it means. But I do like that it's different. And I really hope I'm proven wrong. I hope by the time we get to the new year, it, yeah, there's a spin. And I'm like, okay, okay, I understand. Right now, I don't understand. <laughs> and if you do, get in touch and I will read it out and we can try and figure, and we can try and figure things out. One thing I do want to promote here, actually, is I'm trying to get these whole WWE backstage reactions, uh, satirical videos off. If you haven't visited my YouTube channel, please do. Search for Simon Miller. You'll see me in my old wrestling gear. Give me a click. Give me a subscribe. And if you're live on YouTube right now, it's basically me pretending that I am a backstage producer at WWE and feeding lines to wrestlers when they're making mistakes. I quite like them. Some people have said very nice words about them, which I appreciate. But if you haven't seen them, check them out. Give me some feedback. I'll keep doing them if people want if you could share them around as well you know reddit twitter facebook all of that would be good and uh, yeah i just thought i'd do a cheap plug um a cheap plug for them there right we've got about 10 minutes to go if you've got any kind of questions throw them in the chat we'll try and do some quick fire stuff again any super chat that comes through i'll absolutely read out between my patreon and my super chat that's how i'm able to free up the time to do this podcast just trying to be transparent and honest you know i'm a freelancer by trade which means it's a time equals money kind of a thing and i love doing this stuff but i need to financially support it if not don't worry about it just give me a subscribe that's all i ask for uh, and now we move on to SmackDown and we move on to TLC. We do have some confirmed matches for TLC now. Again, we talked about it the other day. We've got Roman Reigns versus Baron Corbin TLC. Becky Lynch and Charlotte versus Kabuka Warriors TLC. Uh, Baron, uh, sorry, um, uh, what's his name? Bobby Lashley and Rusev in a tables match. We've got a tag team championship match on SmackDown, the Revival versus the New Day. And I think that is it. I don't think we have anything else. Oh, no, we do. We have Buddy Murphy versus Alistair Black which I'm putting all the money on. I, I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to that. So, um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I think it could be okay. On paper, it's not a bad show at all. The stipulation feels a little bit forced, but I kind of feel that's the way with these themed pay-per-views. I'm looking forward to it. I'm intrigued and I'm looking forward to it. We'll see We'll see where we go. I imagine SmackDown will announce a few new matches, obviously getting Bray Wyatt versus The Miz. Now apparently is for the title. So, you know, that will be... I don't think The Miz wins in either way, but I understood the argument where people were saying, yeah, but if it's not for the title, The Miz could win. I don't think you can have The Miz lose to Shane McMahon at WrestleMania, but then beat Bray Wyatt eight months later. I know there's a massive gap between that, but we're all nerds, right? And we'll, we will remember. Um, best Adam, Adam Cole or Adam Page? I don't know, but I do like this tease with Adam Page on Dynamite. You know, he stole the win from Kenny Omega in their tag team match. Kenny Omega kind of shrugged it off, but he was perplexed. I think Adam Page is a, a hangman page as a heel probably has more legs in it in the moment than him as a face because he's not going to remove Cody. John Moxley is on the way up. Darby Allen got a massive pop when he came out to start an allegiance with Cody too. We're not, we'll probably have enough heels as well, but maybe with hangman, if we're going to do a few between Omega and hangman and turn hangman in the, in the process, I think that could be money. So yeah, that would be interesting. Uh, who do you think Daniel Bryan will face at WrestleMania? Poof. Great question. I mean, if we're going to eke out all this hair stuff, maybe Bray Wyatt and he gets his revenge, but I doubt it. WWE would never build for that long. I, that's such a good question. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, Michael Cole is undefeated at WrestleMania. Why isn't he in your top 10? Well, if we're basing it on undefeated WrestleMania, shouldn't Rob Van Dam be in there? I don't think Rob Van Dam has ever been beaten at WrestleMania. It's not really about undefeated streaks, to be honest. 
but it can be if you want. We can do a whole. We can do a whole. Uh, we can do a whole other list, should you so wish. I should actually check the news. I haven't checked the news today, but as we know, things always break. Did we talk about the wellness violations? I don't think we did. I'd like to keep people up to date with everything. Obviously, Bobby Rudin, I think it's Primo Cologne, got uh, suspended because they uh, yeah, they broke the wellness policy. Don't know what that means. Kind of weird. We haven't had one for almost four years, or just over three years maybe, and that, that just broke. I don't know what to say until I – I don't judge – when it comes to those kind of things, wrestlers on the road, 365 days a year. I'm sure sometimes they take things that they probably shouldn't to make themselves feel better. But, you know, I like to up to date everybody on the uh, on the news in case you are not aware. Otherwise, I think that's kind of it. Like I say, Dynamite was a good show. Don't know anything that happened on NXT at the moment. That's not true. I know that Finn Balor won the number one contender match. But I'm going to watch that later today. Uh, but I don't know if overall people think it's a good show or a bad show. Uh, but I don't think we get bad Dynamites or NXT at the moment. I think everybody's just smashing it. Shout out to QT Marshall as well, actually. I really enjoyed the QT Marshall, uh, Cody Rhodes tag team. I thought QT Marshall did a great job in getting himself over. They were kind of sarcastically chanting his name at the start of the match. And then by the end of the match, they all loved him. So fair play to that guy. Um, when will you finally show us your title belts? I will bring them in for the next podcast. They always forget because I'm running around. Uh, Michael Cole has a better win, WrestleMania win percentage than The Undertaker. He would this year. Undertaker beat John Cena. Undertaker beat Bray Wyatt. Undertaker lost to Roman Reigns. Undertaker lost to Brock Lesnar. Undertaker beat Shane McMahon. I don't know, it's not so bad. It's not so bad at all. Frequently Fly in the Super Chat says, more surprising, Luke Harper being released or finding out Primo is still in WWE. Well, the interesting thing with the clones is they've been working down in Puerto Rico for WWC, which is their dance promotion. And I don't think WWE cares. They're happy to have them on their books. They're happy to have them doing that kind of stuff. What a dream position to be in. You are likely getting a WWE paycheck, but you also get to work for your dad's promotion. Everyone says, either, I mean, they're both good, but somebody says either Primo Epico is far better than we know as a pro wrestler because he's never given his chance to shine. So, uh, yeah, I don't know about that. I don't know, but uh, yeah, you know, wellness policy, it's, it's unless you know what it is, I, I, I wouldn't be too critical anyway because everyone does stupid stuff from time to time and we all jump down their throats. I think it's health is the most important thing like you don't want anyone to drop down dead we've had enough of that in the past but um yeah we'll wait and see what happens with that it's a shame because it means that dolphin is broken up which is the tag team between dolph rude dolph rude dolph ziggler and bobby rude they were smashing it for a while but they're uh, they've now fallen down braun Strowman's dealing with an injury as well apparently which is why we haven't seen him but they were going to have an obviously you remember the tease they did between nakamura and bray and bray um uh not bray white nakamura and uh Oh, my, it's going on with my brain. Braun Strowman, thank you. I must be tired. Yeah, they were doing that, and then it just stopped. And if that does happen, Braun Strowman's becoming the new IC champion, and then you know why WWE re, uh, redesigned the belt. And other than that, yeah, I think that's done. I'll give you a few more minutes to answer questions if you want. Uh, shout out to Splitty Booms in the super chat. Thank you very much. Uh, what do you feel makes a great lasting baby face? How do you think they remain beloved over a long period of time? Does it boil down to storyline, in-ring performances, or something else? Yes. <laughs> I think it's all of those things. Storyline is so important. Look at Seth Rollins. If you book somebody in a bad narrative, the crowd can turn. In-ring performance is massively crucial because in 2019, we value that more than it ever has been valued. But it's the something else that is the important part there, Splitty Booms. Because Daniel Bryan, going back to the start of this podcast, who was my number one wrestler of this decade, 
there is no reason why we like him. I know some people don't, but majority, there is no reason why the majority of us like us as much as we do. But there's just something about his character. There's something about the way he holds himself, the way he talks, the way he puts himself across that just makes him very relatable and just makes him very nice, which sounds ridiculous. But because he's able to do that, you want to support him regardless. Like even when he was the environmentalist and he was meant to be a heel, everybody is still behind him. Everybody still wants to see him do well. And it could be, of course, that he had the whole career it's over, it's not over, which is one of the best comebacks in wrestling history, both the goodbye promo and the I'm back promo. Proper emotion. And that ties into it too, making sure you get the, the reality side of it across so you kind of know the person, even though the curtain is still pulled a little bit. And Daniel Bryan just, again, he just ticks all of those boxes to the point I always want to see him do well, be it in his wrestling life or his real life. Kind of the same with Bret Hart back in the day. Again, maybe more of a, of a, of a dividing figure, but I felt the same about him. And you know, I guess Stone Cold Steve Austin is another one to bring in. He wasn't around for a very long time in terms of longevity. But that badass, you know, going to take down your boss, man of the people kind of vibe probably could have gone on for a while simply because it engaged with people. And I think engagement is the key thing. I mean, Hulk Hogan was able to do his shtick for so long because really when he was getting beaten up, he sold with so much pain in his face that people actually thought he was in pain and they wanted to see him come back. So it being, I think it's harder to be a long-term babyface now more than ever. I think it's an intangible quality, but those that do have it can absolutely tap into it. I mean, look at Roman Reigns and Seth Rollins. We tried with both of those guys, and we had exactly the same, exactly the same retort. Finn Balor's probably a better example. You know, never really pushed to the the heights that he should have been on Raw or SmackDown, but he had this respect from the fans, which meant that he could have. He was always cheered no matter what he was doing, even when he wasn't put in the right spots or wasn't, you know, again, being allowed to look dominant in fights. So it all comes down. It's a collection of things. Good question, though. I liked it. Thank you very much. Uh, Sean Gearhorn in Super Chat says, have you heard anything on Johnny Gargano's health? I don't see Finn or Cole taking a pin his next week. His return would make perfect sense. You know, I don't. I, uh, we've heard nothing, which is either a very, very good thing or a very, very bad thing. But I was I thought the same thing. When Finn Balor won the won the number one contendership, I thought, oh man, means we're getting Adam Cole uh, versus Finn before the end of the year. I was like, well, you don't want to take the belt off Cole because you want to build up the Tommaso Ciampa stuff. You can't have Finn Balor lose. He's on a tear as a heel right now. So absolutely right. Why not bring Johnny Gargano back and insert him into that mix? I think that would make perfect sense and add another layer of storyline that NXT would probably benefit from right now. So yes, hell yeah, man. I think that's a great shout. I don't know anything about his health, but maybe that's why. Maybe you're meant to forget about him. I don't think they mentioned him much over the last couple of weeks either. Could be a Kane situation when you all go quiet and then when he appears, you're absolutely flabbergasted. Uh, and under FB Goo about Dynamite says, Joey Janela kidnapping Tully. Joey looked crazy. He did. How weird was that? The lights went off when it came back up. Tully Blanche was just there all taped up. It was really weird. It was a really weird segment, but I liked it. Again, that whole match with Kenny Omega, the Kenny Omega tag match, I thought it told about 72,000 different tales. And I thought each one was pretty good. And it kind of allowed each of the four guys, two or five guys, if you include Joey Janela, to have something to focus on over the next few months and that's what we need for our, our mid-roster guys they need a prize they need a storyline they just need to focus so they don't get uh, they don't get lost in the shuffle and on that note we will wrap things up uh, thank you so much for joining me today sorry it's a bit later than usual updates will always kick your ass uh, for the guy that's desperate for the gaming podcast it is going to go up tomorrow 
I'm sorry it was delayed. I do have a life and it's tax season at the moment as well, which makes things even harder as you have to balance that on top of a normal a normal week's work. Uh, otherwise, yeah, thank you so much to everyone that subscribed to the Patreon this week. If you're waiting for a DM, don't worry. It's coming before you know it. Uh, if you'd like to check it out, again, there's a description, a link in the description below. Or if you're listening to this on audio, just check out patreon.com forward slash SimonMiller316. It really, it really, really does help. Uh, thank you for all the super chats today. Thank you to everyone that buys a t-shirt from SimonMiller.BigCartel.com or a signed 8 by 10 Perfect Christmas gifts. I'm kidding. Well, no, it depends. Perfect Hanukkah gifts too. I'll write it in Hebrew if you want. Probably not going to do that. It would take me a while. My Hebrew ain't great. Otherwise, look, it's General Election Day in the UK as well. It's important that you go out to vote, but try and avoid the... It, it can be quite temperamental, right, on the internet. So you do you. You know, make sure you, you stick to your own guns, even if people are trying to trying to drag you down. Like, I mean... I don't understand why certain people would vote for certain people, but I try and respect people at the at the same time. It is my point. You know, I'm very much a all for one kind of a dude, but I also believe in the power of your right to vote for whoever the hell you want to vote. If you want to vote for an alien, go and vote for an alien. Uh, anyway, make sure you check up AEW Ups and Downs Dynamite over on What Culture Wrestling. Uh, it should just be about to go up, or it could be out already. Uh, and otherwise, yeah, I'm on Twitter, Instagram at Simon316. Subscribe. That's the one thing I'll ask you to do more than anything. I'm at 91.6 thousand subscribers. I would love to get to 100,000 just as some weird achievement and weird goal. So if you haven't subscribed, please, uh, please do it. If not, look, don't worry about it. Have yourselves great weekends. Have yourself great Fridays. Enjoy the wrestling. TLC's coming up. I'll try and bust out some predictions. If not, they'll be up over on What Culture. And that's that. I'll speak to you when I speak to you.